seconds flat. Give me up. This is the Seconds Flat Running Podcast. Hello again, friends, and welcome to mile 167 of the Seconds Flat Running Podcast presented by Columbus Running Company. You can visit Columbus Running Company at columbusrunning.com. It's great to be back with everyone. Happy New Year. Dr. Phil, alongside for the ride. Phil, how are you, my friend? I'm cold, Travis. Man, I am all bundled up here in (laughs) South Carolina. It's getting down to 19 degrees tonight. The heater is blaring. I got my hoodie on. I am not waking up to go for a run in the morning. You are so soft. That is true. <laughs> I would take, <laughs> I'd take 19 for a high right now. But also, like the people in Buffalo think I'm soft. You know, That's when they're, true. They're shoveling out from feet of snow for the football game yesterday. <laughs> but yeah, it has been frigid. Uh, sub-zero wind chills. I have not missed a day. Been out there uh, putting in the mileage. Oh, no days off for 2024 for you. Yeah, I'm like a tracksmith calendar, big boy. NDO. All right, we're super excited to kick off the new year with a look inside our reflective process on training, uh, how we consider how our own running is going. Uh, We're going to use each other as examples here for how we might dive into the training of an athlete or a friend or a teammate. Uh, so that we can provide better feedback. This is a a great year in new year exercise, just to make sure you're anchoring yourself in, in the the core tenets of training that you need to individualize your plan and and to steer you in the right direction. Once again, because we can caught we can get caught up in distraction it's also easy to get caught up in what is trendy, the stuff that we talked about last time to, to wrap 2023. And while it's very valuable to consider new sources of information and adapt your training as you go, uh, we want to be rooted in sound principles and also the things that we know work for ourselves through our own experience and the experience of our coaches that we might work with, and also the things we find joy in. So we're going to do a, a kind of ideal training block coming up in the, in the main section of the episode tonight. Before we do that, we're going to quickly dive into Houston, a uh, recap from the half marathon and marathon there this weekend. Phil, you want to get it started? Yeah, well, first, just to kind of highlight kind of this practice of what we've gone back and doing, you know, both myself doing a little bit of a year-end review with my training and also kind of digging into what what you've been doing in your training. To me, it's been somewhat helpful to one, take a step back, not get lost in the forest for the trees. And number one, make sure that I'm doing what I know I need to be doing or make sure I'm actually doing what I think I'm doing. Uh, mm-hmm. But also to see if there are any like big gaps that I'm missing or that you may be missing as part of your training program. But then also from that, seeing where where's that little nudge that we can add to our training to to continue to take a step forward. You know, it, it's sometimes easy to look at a training cycle in preparation for a specific race and 
of being like, oh, I want to do this 12-week program or that 16-week program and just jump right in, where sometimes that can lead to injury or lead to issues or, or lack of performance. Whereas taking a step back, getting a bigger picture and looking at what's one or two things that I can add or do a little bit differently that's going to help me take that next step forward. Yeah, I think it's a helpful practice just to just to review a bigger picture of what, what your training looks like. Yeah, I think everybody should be doing it. If you're self-coached, uh, you're doing it yourself, or you're at least getting an outsider to look at it at times. If you have a coach, you converse with that coach about what's working and, and where the goals are and what we might need to tinker with to get there. You made two great points. One is, am I actually doing what I think I'm doing? We often believe we're doing one thing, but the effort levels within that session maybe don't exactly correlate. Uh, that's a really dangerous thing in the threshold heavy emphasis that we discussed last time in the Norwegian system. It's so easy to be just beyond that zone, and then you're doing something completely different. It does not inherently make the session better or worse. It does make it different, and that necessitates changes around each each session and how we recover and what the next session might look like. Also, you it was inferred there that you were mentioning kind of blind spots that we all have. That maybe is the biggest point of the reflective process in making sure we address those and consider them for the coming year. Because Phil, I don't know about you, but I'm going to go on record right now as we record late night after hours, 16th <laughs> of January. I'm guaranteeing PRs this year for myself. That's a big Ooh. statement. I'm going to get at least one. I think I might, I'm going to say that I put two PRs uh, from distances that I've at least frequently contested. I'm putting two PRs on the board this year. Phil, are you willing to come with me? You going over uh, or under? 100% because I have looked at your training, Travis, and I have some keys to get you those two PRs, man. <laughs> Thank you, sir. I need you. What about for yourself? Are, are no, you willing? So, so big picture calendar wise, I am in for Chicago in the fall as a remake on what was supposed to be this past fall. Um, yep. And I have yet to hit a marathon like I would like to. So if I can stay consistent, stay healthy, I think that is an easy win. And then I'm targeting potentially the uh, red, white, and blue shoes 5K over the summer and try to nudge off my, my post-high school 5K PR down a little bit as well. So I, I, like I do that. know one thing is that this year will be much more productive and successful than last year was. Well, you've gotten back to healthy. So that's the big first right. step. And the training has looked good. So you're looking at potentially October in Chicago, uh, 4th of July at, at Furman for the 5K. That's fun. I will also uh, be going fall marathon. I'm heading back to CIM in December. That uh -huh. is my only planned marathon for the year. I'm going to race more though, and at different distances and some odd distances, but I have a couple half marathons uh, planned. And so when we get into my training, that'll be my uh, focal point that we'll look at. For you, it will be marathon prep. So mm -hmm. that'll give folks ideas for two different distances. We had big half marathon and marathon results just this past weekend, Sunday morning in Houston. Always a great field at Houston. A couple athletes that I work with were down there and the feedback echoed what I've been hearing for years, that this is probably somewhere, Phil, that you and I need to get to eventually and mm -hmm. run either the half or the marathon. Just great fields and a, a very conducive course. Mm -hmm. they, ha they had pretty good weather. Uh, there was... Uh, 
in the half, for example, a stretch of a pretty decent headwind from like miles eight through 11, but temperature was, was good, good opportunity to run fast. And, and certainly some of the professional folks took advantage of that. Rather than dig through all the results as we might normally do, I just wanted to get into my two stories from the day, the, the things that really intrigued me, Phil. Okay. So I'll open first in the half. The American record for the women's half goes down once again in Houston. We've seen Emily Sisson and Sarah Hall break this record at Houston Probably now, what, six years ago, I believe, Molly Huddle set the record there, too. Not quite as recently. Uh, of well, course, that record's been broken five times over the past two years. Yeah, that's what I was just going to reference, that Kira D'Amato had the record going mm-hmm. into this weekend. She ran 66.39 in Australia in July at Gold Coast. But uh, Wayne Kalati, the former New Mexico track and cross star, has set a new American record at 66.25. We will see her down the road at the Olympic trials for the track. <laughs> Not so much <laughs> in Orlando in a couple of weeks. She's 5,000, 10,000 focused right now. I suspect we see her in a marathon trials before 2028, perhaps. Strong performance from her, well run. So 66.25, Wayne Kalati. New American record for women in the half marathon. Just the way that record has progressed in recent years is it's a fascinating and impressive case study. Uh, As you said, five times in two years. But in particular, if we look at just the past handful of years to the dozen or more years before that, it says something I'm sure about the technology, but also about the level of competition, also about the training. It's, It's a great sign for American women's distance running. Well, and and this was a result, even not so much this one mark, but looking through how that record has been lowered the past couple of years, that really gets me excited about the Olympic trials coming up in a couple of weeks, that that women's field is so deep and so competitive that there's easily eight, 10 women that could represent the U.S. going to the Olympics. I know Lani's not racing this year, but she is definitely on the short list for the next great American female marathoner, at least a competitive one. But mm-hmm. as we look at you know, who potentially might make the team for, for the, from the trials, that's, that's going to be an exciting race. Yeah, we're going to dig into a, a trials preview here soon. Probably the sour note for the women's marathon trials is that Sarah Hall was not a participant at Houston Scratch there. This is an interesting statement by me given that she has recently been an American record holder at this distance and is one of our fastest marathoners. But regardless of health, I don't know that I saw her as a prime contender to make the team. She was certainly in the conversation, but I did not consider her a favorite just based on the track record and championship racing. Would I have loved to see it? Absolutely. At her age, with her experience to finally make an Olympic team, fantastic story. I might be eating crow in a few weeks. Um, <laughs> you know, she might end up being healthy and going and, and making the team, but I don't know that I consider her a favorite anyway. This makes her maybe a little bit of a longer shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, even despite Emma Bates having to take herself out of the trials as one of the heavy favorites. So I, I guess that's the only sour note I would add. Uh, any other thoughts from the half marathon, Phil? The one that was interesting moving over to the men's, men's results, 
to me, it was interesting to see who showed up almost as like a test piece slash final large effort before the trials. More specifically, Galen Rupp finishing 14th and 62-37. Looking into his plan before, it sounded like he was trying to unlock that third men's slot for the U.S. in the Olympics. Correct me if my calculations are wrong, but if he would have been able to run under 60-30 based on world athletics points and how they're calculating how many slots each country gets, that would have at least unlock the opportunity for a third American male to go to the uh, to the Olympics. But he ran a solid race, but kind of faded off there towards the end as he kind of dropped off that main pack of five guys that finished you know, essentially a sprint finish. American Diego Estrada finished fifth in 60-49, so it was good to see him post a really solid mark. We haven't really heard much from him what, since 2018-2019. It was interesting just to see how that race played out. Uh, it's kind of the final test piece before the before the trials. Yeah, that sixty thirty would have unlocked a third spot on the um, the pre February first roster that they allow for. There will be a second round to that that the mm-hmm. World Athletics points have. So there there's still more opportunities. Of course, it's a little more challenging for the Americans having a trials as opposed to just being able to hand pick a fast early mm-hmm. spring marathon, for example. Uh, you're right. We did hear early on that he was targeting that number, but then in his interview right before the race, it sounded to me as if that was never actually a plan. Maybe this was more about let's get a good hard effort in. And I don't think he felt super confident in half marathon condition, but maybe more confident in his marathon shape. And the question becomes how close to this can he run for twice the distance huh. Uh, I th- I think he's still in the mix. Uh, I'm not going to make 100%. a prediction yet, but yeah, he's in the mix. Moving to the marathon, it was uh, Zohair Talby winning in 206.39, but I thought the biggest note from the men's marathon was Pat Tiernan. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pat Tiernan, the Aussie, ran 207.45. That is the second fastest Australian of all time. So he has now catapulted over Steve Monaghetti and Rob DiCostella, two of the all-time greats. Sitting just uh, behind Brett Robinson. Just behind Brett Robinson. And it's close, too. He's not mm-hmm. he's not that far back. This would have been Brett Robinson's second fastest time. And it unlocks a second Olympic spot for the Australian team, which Pat Tiernan, despite kind of disappearing from the global stage for a little while, in, in part because of injury issues, now he comes off a really good BAA half in the fall. Follows it up with this. You'd think that he's almost certainly a lock to take that second spot. Mm-hmm. That was just a very significant performance in a big jump, three plus minutes uh, from his debut at Chicago. Uh, he seems to have rounded back into form. Now, that's an NCAA cross country champion. That's a talented guy. And we maybe forgot about him a little bit, but he's got the potential to be a global threat. Uh, I I don't see him as necessarily as a medalist. Now that depends on conditions, of course, but he's right there with with any of the best American guys, any of the best Japanese guys, and a lot of that next tier of East Africans. Phil, you want to add anything on the marathon, men or women? I'm, I'm with you. I think that would be a fantastic race to go do sometime in the near future. You know, the weather always seems to be good. The competition is deep. Uh, both at the pointy end, but even you know, kind of where we would be sitting in the mid twos to mid threes or so. Just a lot of strong folks that are showing up to try to run a fast time. So sign me up. 
All right. Well, let's get ourselves in shape to get there, Phil. So that's the next <laughs> exercise for the night. We're going to do what we are calling an ideal training week. As I presented this to Phil, the goal was to create a, a, a micro cycle, a seven to 14 day block aimed at event of each of our choice. Phil picked marathon in part because of Chicago this year. I picked half marathon because that's my target for this season. What we then did was write what we felt was ideal training for ourselves and for each other. When we pictured ideal, what does that mean? Well, it's things we like to some degree. We want to find some joy in this seven to 14 day window. And we looked at each other's running and tried to find some things we know the other would enjoy as well. But also, what do we need to be successful? What do we think we benefit from? And what are we seeing perhaps that is the blind spot that the other person is missing that could make that person a better runner in 2024? Phil, we're going to let you go first. Okay. So we're going to go into Phil's marathon block. We're assuming this is kind of mid block. So maybe it's um, six, eight, 10 weeks out. It's a cycle that you could repeat a couple times, maybe more. How long is the micro cycle that you wrote for yourself, Phil? How many days did you do for yourself? So I, I split it kind of as a like seven to 14 day cycle. So kind okay. of having a, like a rotating long run and a selection of workouts to, to roll through. So not necessarily a week that would repeat week after week, but you know, something you can kind of sample one week that you leave off the next. Okay. I did 14 days for you. I like the premise that you're saying, because I had some ideas, both for you and for myself, that we might substitute in places, but I'll try to make it concrete just for the example for, for the listeners. So why don't Perfect. you go, go ahead first, Phil, and briefly describe the week and explain why you did what you did when you did it. Yeah. So this was really, to me, a, a pretty productive exercise to go through, particularly as I think we said before we started recording that I'm, I'm finally back healthy. That's been a somewhat frustrating and somewhat long fall with coming off of this foot stress fracture. But it's also kind of given me a time to reflect of, of you know, what has worked well in the past, what did not serve me well. And there are a couple of things that I, I kind of took away from this. You know, one is as we look at building the structure, training's a function of optimization and not necessarily maximization. So it's mm -hmm. not, you know, as we're putting this together, we're not trying to build as much as you could possibly absorb and adapt and fit in. It's looking at where is your fitness now and what's the one little piece that we need to add to, to get a little bit better. More is more, right? It's, yeah. it's not inherently better. It can be. And so that's something to evaluate too. Is it possible you're doing too much? Is mm -hmm. it possible you're not doing enough? Well, and at least as it relates to like my personal situation, you know, having a little bit of margin built in where you know, every piece of time that I could do some training, I don't necessarily have to be doing training. Yeah. And then, and then as well, like training isn't necessarily just solving a puzzle, but it's also kind of experiencing a process of, like you said, doing those workouts that you enjoy, training with those people you enjoy spending time with, running in those places that really get you excited to be, to be out there. So as much as like building fitness and getting faster is important, you know, as much it's as much important to me to have the Monday run with friends, to get out on the weekend with a group, to go up Paris Mountain most Fridays, which I'm interested to hear. Well, I know your comments on that. But anyways, it's as much you know, experiencing training as it is trying to solve a puzzle. 
Phil, let me go ahead and break your heart right now, buddy. You're not running up Paris Mountain every Friday to train for Pancake Flat Chicago. I'll just put that out there. That, that's, well, that's why I appreciate your input, Travis. Yeah, okay. All right, <laughs> moving on. Go ahead, bud. You know, coming off of the stress fracture and dealing with injuries, and you know, even as I get a little bit older, I think there is some benefit to a day off, at least in my situation. You know, looking through yours, the weeks that I've rolled through, you haven't had a day off in, in several weeks, which works really well for you, works you know, really well for the amount of training and training history that you have. But with my injury history, having that one day to essentially just let the body heal and, and rest makes a, a huge difference, I think, and will make a big difference staying healthy going forward. So to get into the specifics of what I've put together, starting off Monday, this is a run I've had in place for, gosh, 10 years now. Uh, it's an easy 30 to 40 minutes in the morning. Sometimes it's, it's with my dog. Usually it's with a couple of friends. But to me, it's a great way to, number one, recover from the weekend, but also to kind of set the rhythm and the intention of the week that training and running is a priority. And that's going to be one of the first things I do to start the week. The other session for that day is a little bit of strength work. So whether that's something at, at lunch or in the afternoon, a simple, short, whole body routine goes in that, that Monday afternoon. Okay. Tuesday morning, uh, just based on work schedule, that's when the, the primary workout is. This is something that'll be about 60 minutes total uh, with some quality as part of that. What I've done kind of the past couple of weeks is I've been building back into fitness, been building back into workouts is a lot of, we'll call it threshold work, but changing gears as well. So I've done a Mona Fartlick. I've done a couple of sessions of one minute on, one minute float. Uh, I did a session of Deke's quarters where kind of just, just going above and below threshold effort. Looking into the next phase as training kind of stabilizes, the thought is to do a good bit of work with some more VO2 efforts. So something like four to six by four minutes at about 10K pace which is a little bit slower than VO2, working on and touching those, those faster speeds that I'm not quite hitting yet. Okay, so um, let me pause you right there, Phil. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that's probably falling more, given your race pace, is probably falling more at like a, a critical speed. Like critical remember? velocity, critical speed. Yeah. yeah, and I think, frankly, remember, we're training for a marathon here. Okay. Uh, and we're in the in mid-marathon block. is probably uh, much more palatable than spending time on some heavy VO2 max stuff. Okay. That's yeah. fair. As I'm building back kind of my thought with doing that next, let's touch on that before we get into specific marathon uh, related work. And as well, I'll highlight here the gym work I like doing right before the track or the, the faster paced work, because with that turnaround, it doesn't necessarily leave a much leave a significant amount of time for muscle soreness to set in. So I don't expect that gym session to significantly affect the performance in the, in the workout on Tuesday morning. What are you doing um, in the gym, Phil? Some single leg Romanian deadlifts. Weighted? Some rear foot, yeah, weighted, but 20 pounds or so. Okay. Um, yeah. Some rear foot, go ahead. I'm interjecting now because I didn't consider strength in what I wrote for you. So I just want to do this now before we forget about it. I would be more likely to put that on either the evening after the session in the morning and do like a real kind of hard day, hard type of thing mm -hmm. or the, 
the day after mm, the hard okay. session. And I do that for two reasons. One is that separates it away from the next harder session. Okay. Mm -hmm. And two is some of the hormonal stuff going on that probably expedites some recovery, especially if this isn't like super heavy weights. Okay. I want to prioritize the thing that is most specific to your goal. Your goal is running a good marathon. Mm -hmm. So to me, the priority should be the sessions that yield the best marathon not the best biceps. <laughs> <laughs> what you said there, I think it presents your, your viewpoint very well because it is very clinical in many ways. Mm -hmm. it, and so, yes, it doesn't give that soreness time to set in, but does it compromise in any way the ability of you to function at the highest possible level in the session the next morning? And from a practical perspective, where I live, because I'm not up in the ivory tower, Phil. I'm a man of the people. <laughs> in practice, that's an important consideration. That's fair. Okay. Um, and as well, kind of thinking of a general structure week, my thought is tentatively to put that on Monday, knowing that sometimes that gets moved or life gets busy. And then there's still Tuesday afternoon where it fits. And I, I take your point and 100% agree that keeping that hard day hard and just doing it later on the Tuesday, it's kind of a, probably a better alternative slot than Monday, Monday afternoon. This is why we're doing the exercise right here. This is what, so that we can reflect on it together. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. And uh, what you might do after that session, Phil. Yep. So Wednesday is just an easy spin on the bike. Um, so that would be technically an off day, but getting out on the spin bike for 30 minutes, this is a no effort workout where I'm, breaking a sweat, getting the heart rate up a little bit, but not pushing the pace at all. Thursday is essentially an easy hour. And then an afternoon would be in that second gym session, similar to what Monday session would look like. Again, I, I realize where this fits isn't necessarily ideal from a training perspective, but in terms of life schedule works yeah. pretty well in that that's, slot. That's important to remember. Yeah. Yeah. Friday, oh, you know where I'm going to be Friday morning, Travis. Climbing Paris Mountain. I think everyone in the audience just tapped that 15-second fast-forward button that Spotify has because they know exactly what you're going to say for Friday, Phil. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. Yep. Okay, Moving so, on to Saturday. And, and we've discussed that effort here many times before. It, it's a yep. fun run. I get it. I, I totally understand why you do it. Uh, it's a pretty serious climb and then coming right back down it for a round trip. And there's a group of guys who do it every Friday. Uh, go ahead with your yep. Saturday. So Saturday is long. This is currently sitting at 90 minutes. I would like to build this up to a comfortable uh, two hours. Mm -hmm. And this is where that kind of seven to 14 day split to my thinking would occur is you know, once that two hours is comfortable and repeatable, alternating between that and then a long run the second week of 90 minutes, but with some quality involved in it, whether that's a progression run or a sustained block of marathon pace sandwiched in. And then Sunday is an easy, easy 45 minutes to an hour. So again, just kind of getting out, shuffling, time on feet, easy run. It's good, Phil. Um... I think there's some, some stuff that overlaps with what I have for you. And uh, as I said, I went to 14 days for you. I kind of numbered the days rather than naming them because I wasn't sure with your work schedule moving forward, what would work out best. 
I did agree with you on, on both of my, what I would say maybe are the Mondays, day one and eight. I had that kind of 30-ish minute easy run that you do around downtown Greenville. I like it for you because I like, as you said, get it out, get the week going. It's just some easy miles. But I also like that it's, it's a bit of tradition and ritual for you. You get to do it with people or your dogs out there with you or maybe both. And uh, yeah. it's a run that you just enjoy a lot. And so- mm-hmm. Uh, while I won't compromise on Paris Mountain every week with you, I will compromise on this one. My thought That's is right. we're mid-marathon cycle at this point. So I'm assuming for you for an October marathon, this is somewhere in the summer, like late spring in yeah. the summer. If you want to be out doing Paris Mountain right now, great. Go for it. Yeah, I- I'm looking down the road a little bit. Yeah. So so let me ask you this with this day, day one and eight. Thoughts on extending that to something longer of, let's call it instead of, four miles, let's call it six to eight miles, knowing that's kind of coming off of a weekend with, with a long run and knowing that kind of the role is recovery and shakeout. What are your thoughts in terms of leaving it as 30 minutes versus extending that out a little bit longer? I have a number of days for you, Phil, and I won't get into them, I guess, so much specifically here, but I have a number of days for you where the goal is really to get about an hour of running. The point would be uh, if you're moving your sessions to Tuesday, you know, I had sessions on day three and 10, which would sit more like the Wednesdays, just midweek. We can move those to Tuesday. That's fine. No problem. But that might change what I do on now on Monday on day one. So I'm going to go easy and I want strides at the end. I want to prime with the strides at the end of it. So maybe it's 30 plus strides, but also if all your long stuff is going to be on Saturday, you certainly should be recovered by Monday enough that you could do an hour. And maybe in that instance, you could embed the strides within the hour. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you, you could jog 20 minutes easy. And then over the course of the next X number of minutes, do 15 to 20 seconds on and a minute easy, and then jog the rest of the way. And now you're not going over an hour and it's manageable for your time schedule. Okay. Okay. That's fair. Uh, my session for you, session number one, I think this is my absolute favorite session. If I had to pick for what I would run myself, I did not put it in my plan for myself later on <laughs> because I feel like there's other things maybe I need to work on more and more frequently. I do use this. I actually used it recently, but I love it for you because I know you like to change gears a lot. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I think you change gears too much. You know, okay. you're over talking about VO2 max. Yeah, maybe now, like we lay a base of speed for a marathon. It's kind of inverted from our normal perspective that we have, uh, say, for 5K training, where you lay a base of miles, perhaps. But regardless of the event, in that base phase, you should really be turning over. And that's where you do some of the uh, the highest quality speed work. But now that we're into uh, a more competitive preparation phase, I want to do something that has big fitness value to you and touches on those gear changes because we're not going to do a lot of them otherwise. I'm going to give you a moose fartlek. Five okay. sets, five sets of three minutes threshold, minute easy, minute 5K, minute easy. That's a 30 minute workout plus warm up and cool down. So you can probably get it into your hour that you typically have. So I really nice. like that one for you because it's it's threshold emphasis. You're improving fitness that's specific to your race, but then you're getting that turnover with a minute of 5K, but it's a little bit of of like yo-yo threshold to it, as you were referencing, where it's a little over under. It's not truly a VO2 max workout. You're just touching on that turnover a little bit. Okay. 
again, I want to try to get, you know, an hour easy again somewhere in this Wednesday or Thursday. I, I have for you on that weekend, on the first weekend, I'd like a two hour long run. I would like this to potentially be hilly, not in the Paris mountain sense, but, uh, you know, <laughs> undulating terrain. I said that not to, to pick on the Paris mountain thing. I know you enjoy the run, but more so to just to clarify that we do want some up and down, but we don't need to hammer the body throughout this. Yeah. Some, some climbing throughout would be great. Maybe something like going to, up to DuPont Forest. I know you enjoy that. Maybe some trail or fire road there. That could be really nice. What I uh, had that I... I I think you would enjoy, I just, I'm not sure if you have time for it. So just consider it is that mm-hmm. sun, uh, that Sunday, maybe a bike, maybe a longer bike Ooh, interesting. Uh, coming, coming off a, a long run that doesn't have a ton of pace, but does have some up and down. So it's got some challenging to it. Maybe a long bike on Sunday as, uh, as you said, you, you need some days off that fits who you are right now. You know, I would like to give you maybe some more like harder hill reps, stuff like that. However, I, I know you don't love it. Also, I worry a little bit about the Achilles history. Yeah. Uh, and that's also part of the reason that I don't have Paris Mountain in here. It wasn't okay. just to say it's not specific, but I do have a little bit of worry about the injury history for you. In the second week, I did put in a day. This would be right after the second session in, in my week two. So I had this at day 11, assuming you had a session on day 10, where mm-hmm. I put bike, swim, or off. You know, easy bike, easy swim, or off. So I did have two built in, at least one that's really a true, more active off day or off day. And then a bike that, as we said, is a little longer. My uh, session in week two is going to be like broken tempo. Stuff that to me is okay. some, somewhere around your marathon goal pace or slightly faster, maybe five to 10 seconds per mile faster, knowing the constraints with work and life and family, perhaps starting with something like a, a four by 10 minutes at marathon pace, two minute jog. It's not going to get you too far over an hour with the warm up and cool down. Cool down off of this type of workout doesn't probably need to be quite as long either. Mm-hmm. But then maybe we're working towards four by 15 minutes and maybe that four by 15 okay. minutes is working towards just slightly faster than marathon pace. Or maybe that starts out with, I don't, I don't know if, if four by 15, five by 12 minutes, there's some stuff in there that could be interchangeable where you're getting about an hour of it. And then maybe it also progresses to those short recoveries become a little bit more floaty than they do jog over time. So you, this is your one spot to me where you're getting your specific work and it's good aerobic quality. If we were going to, as you said, make some substitutions, you dabble into the hard gear, perhaps a little too much when left to your own devices. And so I might do something more like you said at that 10K effort would be my interchangeable workout. So I'm kind of assuming that I'm almost keeping that moose fart like in for you every two weeks. And they might be alternating a little bit, but what about something like 400s at 10K off a short jog? Uh, So it's a faster gear, but it's a little more threshy. A lot of strides, a lot of hour days, strides on the day before the session, strides on the day before the long runs. Uh, But I'm going to cap this whole thing. My last one here on day 14 for you is a steady or progressive or combination of both long run. This goes to what you were saying as well. Uh, You know, every other week getting some quality in the long run. Uh, Nothing super hard, but maybe we're progressing down to marathon effort or we're running steady at like 90% effort somewhere in that 90 minute to two hour range. And then ultimately what I do feel with that first long run, the one we said maybe is hilly or at DuPont is that's two hours working towards two and a half hours and maybe alternating back and forth between two and two and a half hours. 
to summarize for Phil's week, we're in a lot of agreement on some basic constitution, some things you enjoy, some things that fit your schedule. Perhaps what you've done is just a touch more intensity in how you typically lay out your work. Mm -hmm. Whereas I went maybe a little more aerobic, a little more specific uh, Mm -hmm. in, in trying to fill in a gap because you've said it, you haven't hit a marathon the way you want to. What do I think are the biggest reasons for that? One, probably consistency of the long runs. Uh, has at time been a, a problem spot for you? Two, you've dealt with some injuries, so you haven't been able to be as consistent overall. So let's try to reduce that risk. Let's get the volume to a consistent spot. Pre-CIM and even before that, uh, one of your great strengths was you started to work more towards some of those hour runs throughout the week. And yeah. We saw strides there. And then the last thing would be, let's make sure the work specific uh, so that you are efficient, economical at the paces that you need to run on race day. Yeah, uh, I appreciate that insight. And I, and, and I think you're dead on in that when I have been training the strongest and been running the best, number one, the overall training is most consistent, but the long runs consistent. But I think with a, a couple of the marathons I've gone into feeling fit, the issue was, well, pacing was certainly an issue, but the comfort at marathon pace was not quite where it probably should have been just because there hadn't been as much specific work at that speed and with those movement patterns. So I I appreciate that. Yeah. Great. Let's go ahead with me now for half marathon. I'll hit it first and then I'll open it to you to, to add in Phil. Mm -hmm. I will just say, I'm not going to touch on any of my easy days because they're going to be some constitution of a very easy double that is probably like 60 minutes in the morning and 30 minutes in the afternoon. It might go up to 70 in the morning. It might go up to 35 in the afternoon. It might be a little less. One of the days might end up being a single, but most of them are going to be 60 and 30-ish. Before sessions, I'm going to do some strides on the second run, uh, most likely, or strides embedded in the middle of the run, as we talked about. So let me go to what I'm going to do with the sessions. I've found some luck here, it feels like recently, with a a slightly different approach, which is to run a few more quality sessions, uh, but I'm with really manageable controlled efforts. I feel really good about it. I feel like I'm stacking more time in the zone. I feel like I'm really excited about each of the forthcoming workouts and I'm seeing progress. So I'm going to try to stick with that trend. I feel like that's been a, a good shift that I've made. I had a lot of success on more of like a 10-day cycle with workout, two easy days workout. That doesn't work so well with my current situation with our team where I know I'm always going to be at a Wednesday session and I can't rotate. So I've tried to, I've I've tried to fill in more manageable sessions around that. And uh, maybe it's occasionally I'm two days in between. Other times I'm just one day in between. And so the sessions need to reflect that in their intensity. So week one, I'm going to assume this is a Wednesday. I'm going to do a threshold session. I just picked my absolute favorite. I'm going to do up to, and and once I'm fit, it would be 10 times three minutes at, at about half marathon effort with a minute jog rest. I'll come back two days later for uh, a session that I enjoy, but also think I need. I think power output is important. It's maybe one of my biggest weaknesses when I don't touch on these sessions. So I'm going to do a hill session. Let's just say the first one was Friday. So excuse me, Wednesday. So this is Friday. I'm going to do 30 second hill reps with some pace to them, probably 5k or slightly faster. Uh, We'll fill in another easy Saturday. And then let's assume on Sunday, 
I'm actually not going to go long. I'm going to use a long run every other week in this cycle. Okay. Because I'm prepping for a half marathon, not a marathon like you. And because I've found the long run, while it might be the thing I enjoy most, I believe it's the most training load on my body and can at times leave me a little beat up when I run them the way I like to and not always just running them easy. So I'm going to hold off on a long run. This would be my most challenging session of this first week, in part because I don't have a long run and also in part because I know I will have two easy days after. I won't have to come back to another session till Wednesday. So I wanted to do some type of alternation. That's a a workout that I love. And uh, I actually shied away from some of my favorite alternation sessions and from some of the longer ones and went more towards uh, alternation sessions that I believe hit another weakness with the on segments more at like a 10K effort and then floating steady in between. I chose one that we do occasionally. This is a uh, Dathan Ritzenheim section, uh, session. Excuse me. They'll use this throughout the year. They often just jog the recoveries, but it's a fart like a uh, kind of ladder where we go one, two, three, two, one, two, three, two, one. So I go up and down and up and down. Those are in minutes and your recoveries are equal to the on segment. So when you get to three, then you have three minutes of recovery. So it's plenty of recovery mm-hmm. time. So I'm going to do those on at about a 10K effort and then float in between. That's 33 total minutes of work. So this is more like a continuous yo-yo threshold when you average it all out, okay? We'll get some easy days. I'm going to come back to a more traditional threshold session that Wednesday. I'm going to do a little longer one. Since my first one was three-minute reps on week one. I'll do five-minute reps. I'll do five by five minutes. You know, early on, this might take like two minutes of recovery, but I'm trying to work down to 90 seconds or a minute of uh, jog recovery. I want to put an easier threshold session now on Friday. Again, on Fridays, I'm trying to keep manageable. I'm going to do something that's more like your broken tempo, but a little shorter. I've traditionally done those longer broken tempos and really enjoy them, even stuff like four by two miles. Uh, I got to consider the load on my body here, though. So I'm going to cap this at 10K of work. I'm going to do five by 2K at just slightly faster than marathon effort, minute jog. I think it fits really well into the threshold category. It's a little slower than we Americans might typically run that work. But again, I think we often overrun that work. Mm -hmm. I don't love this workout, but again, I'm trying to do something that I feel I need to do that is, it's a good supplement that buttresses the half marathon paces. It's really a support pace to continue to grow that aerobic engine. And then I will go long that Sunday. I'm going to go a Hopefully hilly, but up-tempo long run, probably somewhere in the 16-ish mile range. Maybe I'll go up to 18 miles, and that'll be my long run. And there are my two weeks. I left out a lot of stuff that I really wish I had been doing, but the basic premise is this. It's kind of five sessions in a long run over the course of those two weeks. Three of those sessions are more traditional threshold types. One is hills. And then one is uh, more of an alternation threshold where I get a little faster gear in, and then I have my long run. Phil, mm-hmm. thoughts, critique? No, I like it. And you know, some of what you highlighted on your weaknesses were, were a couple of things that you know, to me stood out both from, from digging into your training, but also just kind of knowing you and running with you as long as, long as we have. You know, the past couple of months, looks like you've been living around 75, 85 miles a week. Yeah, and I know you don't typically work off of that weekly structure, but to kind of put put in context of the volume of work that you're doing, the volume of work that you can handle. But this is also coming off of a history of, you know, you've 
handled 100 mile weeks for extended period of time in the past. So you you are a very aerobically strong runner as well that you run pretty much every day. You know, I made the comment you know, that I, for myself, I like having a structured planned day off. Uh, and I know a lot of folks, particularly this time of year, are pushing for that idea of no days off. I don't think that's always wise, but for somebody like yourself, I think you don't necessarily need a planned day off. You know, that will come naturally and, you know, you're wise enough and know your body enough that when you need to take an easy day as a zero, uh, instead of getting out the door and that will happen, but doesn't necessarily need to be planned as well. You know, you mentioned you do two a days and that's structured as just an easy 60 minutes in the morning, 30 minutes in the afternoon. I think that's a great way for you to build volume and build strength, but also you have the background to recover from that to get in solid training. Uh, not not then, only that, Phil, but I think it aids my recovery because yeah. I'm so used to running that frequently. It's just more easy mileage to expedite the recovery process. I'll quickly interject and say, you're right. The volume is a little lower right now. I have done that intentionally to try to, to be fresh. I think mm -hmm. there's been value in like, I'm still getting a good amount of volume, but I'm trying to balance that and balance it with the quality. And also you're absolutely right. I, I don't run every day because I'm on some kind of streak. At some mm -hmm. point, I just, well, with an exception, we are doing like a outdoor, at least a mile every day thing through work through January for like our winter challenge. So I will do every day outside here through January, but largely I just get to the point of like, okay, I need a day off. I feel like I want a day off. I'll take it. Yeah. yeah I, I'm not going to try to run every day in 2024. That's not a goal. Yep. Yep. So kind of my initial thoughts. In terms of where I see you're, you're strong, uh, as I said, you have it, that deep base and solid running strength. So you can handle a lot of work and handle a lot of volume. The one thing that I don't see and that I think you mentioned as well, that you know, your weakness with your power output, I didn't necessarily see this on Strava. And I know that you have bounced back and forth with this, but it's specific gym sessions for a couple of reasons. One, we'll go from a, a clinical mindset first, just looking at overall health and you know being able to do this for a extended and long period of time but also from a performance standpoint i think that is some pretty low-hanging fruit to get a little nudge to your running economy to that to that power you know you mentioned hills is one way to do that i think that's great you're wanting to interrupt me so go ahead no no i'm, I'm sorry i, I didn't want to interrupt you i was i wanted to, to clarify because i you're 100 correct uh while it's not on strava I did see a need to rededicate to that uh, starting this fall. So essentially mm -hmm. since the 1st of November, pretty much every day, there has been either a strength session, a yoga session, maybe a wall Pilates, some sort of band work, even if it's just activation. So it, you're spot on there, Phil. I, I did see that that was a place that I used to really be strong in and I had, had yeah. uh, sacrificed a little bit for the sake of some of those bigger miles. And so I, I decided yeah. to go the route you're saying and trade that off. And yes, I have almost every day for, it might be very short, but something yeah. that is complementary to the running. You're, you're spot on, Doc, and as I think about like what this specifically looks like, I mean, number one, if it's not on Strava, it doesn't count, Travis. So <laughs> yeah, get it out there, man. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Uh, but 
generally, you know, that would be something like a some type of squat or lunge movement, uh, some type of hinge or hamstring type strengthening movement, uh, some type of specific calf strengthening, particularly, you know, I know you're approaching that master's uh, age group. And, (laughs) uh, you know, as as we look at what happens as we age with runners, the the calves are one of the uh, primary muscles that starts to lose strength and that also plays a role in terms of power production. Yeah. Uh, and then as well, some type of plyometric movement. So whether that's jump roping, whether that's doing some skipping, something to work on just getting off the ground quickly to train that that spring motion of the, the running stride. Yeah, um, that's good. So moving beyond that, uh, I'll, for the sake of brevity, I'll kind of take the same approach you did with, with your easy stuff. You know, that's, you have that pretty dialed, you know, Monday and my structure looks like an easy hour in the morning an easy 30 minutes in the afternoon, Tuesday, this would be coming the day before a session, a little bit longer. So maybe an easy 75 minutes, you're not quite what I would consider a medium long run for you, but something a little bit longer time on feet as well. I like the idea of strides for you prior to that session, just as kind of a, a priming type activity uh the day before on the wednesday session looking at your overall volume this is something that's somewhere around 10 to 12 miles for you the couple of things that i would highlight from a warm-up perspective i'm uh and looking through your training this is something you incorporate but your warm-up is usually something around two miles to 20 minutes as a general rule i i don't think any more than that is necessary for a warm-up thinking of overall structure if you know, for our listeners, as they're looking at building their own structure, you know, if you're wanting to extend a workout day with more mileage, my thought is that we extend by adding on to the cool down at the end. And we just want to do enough at the beginning to get warmed up, get moving well, get mo- moving fluidly, but go into that session fresh. So on, on Wednesday, the session that I wrote for you is – the main work of around six to eight repeats of a K, somewhere around 10K effort, which, well, you read my mind. That's one of the sessions that you put in there for yourself. And I like this partly because we're working on the faster end of your aerobic development. You know, as we said, you've got a ton of background from the, the mileage and the strength perspective. So let's, in preparation for a fast half marathon, do some work a little bit faster I like the main work there at like a 10K effort. Yeah. Okay. Thursday, again, coming back for a recovery day of an easy hour in the morning, an easy half hour in the afternoon. Friday, we're going to work a little bit slower end of that spectrum. Uh, So we've hit 10K pace earlier in the week. Friday, we're going to come back and do a little bit more marathon work. But I like this as a, you had yours listed as a broken tempo. I like this as a steady tempo, just to settle into that groove, to deal and manage with the fatigue as it builds through the session versus having those broken efforts to kind of come off the gas and recover. So building a little bit more aerobic strength, if you want to call it that. Saturday is going to come back around for an easy hour. If you're feeling good, add a second, 30 minutes. And Sunday, I'm with you on the easy two hours. And really for for what you're looking at doing, you know, we're essentially training for a race that's 75 minutes, give or take a couple minutes. 
which is a still an aerobic dominated activity. And I think anything more than two hours, you're risking the risk is greater than the reward. You know, as we're preparing for a marathon or something longer, there's certainly, I think, benefit to going beyond two hours. But with your background, what you're training for, I think two hours is is plenty. And then coming around that second week, Monday and Tuesday will look the same, just some easy sessions, Tuesday with some strides. Wednesday, staying around that same 10 to 12 miles of total work. But this time, this is where I would throw in kind of the race-specific effort. So mm-hmm. I put down like five by 2K, somewhere around half marathon to marathon effort, but with a pretty short recovery of just a, a minute. Depending on how you're feeling there, you could float that or make it easy. But really the goal here is just to develop that rhythm at your race pace. Thursday, again, we're going to come around with just an easy recovery day because Friday, again, just based on your rhythm and what seems to be your routine, um, Friday will be that second session. I like this a little bit longer, so almost like a medium long run with some quality in it. So it's something around 75 to 90 minutes worth of worth of work, or excuse me, worth of running, but with about 20 minutes worth of fart, like, I called it work. And this is where, you know, you put the moose fart lick in for me at kind of midweek on almost every other week. I like something like that uh, for you, either a moose fart lick, a mono fart lick, Deeks quarters. We're going to stay with the uh, the Australians for you. Um, <laughs> but where you're shifting gears, because, you know, working down to, you know, even faster than 10K, down to 5K pace to work on a little bit more of that speed while still keeping the effort high through that whole session. Yeah, because with all of these, and I didn't get too specific because I wanted to give you a little bit of freedom to to play. But with with all of these type of sessions, you know, the recoveries is, is either short or it's a float, so you're not really totally coming off the gas, but shifting shifting gears through here. Saturday, you'll come around for an easy hour again if you're feeling good, just an easy thirty minute second session, and then Sunday. I like the idea of keeping the long run at two hours again, because you can handle that kind of volume. I don't think there's any need to do a shorter second long run. So I'll keep it at two hours, but I like doing this as a progression run. You know, the coaches at Furman call, call their longer runs, you know, at a forward pace where basically the paces aren't prescribed, but every couple of miles every 20 30 minutes you're just shifting that gear a little bit faster where by the end of that run there's some pressure on the pace but you're not necessarily hammering it or as an alternative a two-hour long run but throwing in five minute efforts every 30 minutes or so it's somewhere around like critical speed pace so trying to touch on that faster gear every 30 minutes as you as you fatigue in the long run. Thank you, Phil. There's a lot of good material in there. To uh, clarify just a point, uh, my warm-up is always going to include also the drills that I would do before a race. So, yeah, I'd say probably about 20 minutes of running is pretty typical. I'll be honest with you, Phil, I don't know that I can get – loose especially in the current conditions and much less and feel ready to go now if it's super hot i'm going to shorten that yeah that's always going to be followed by the same drills that i would do before a race so that i can get into that routine 
some interesting points there, Phil. I think we agree on some stuff that maybe I need to work on, but my my concern might be the the volume in in a couple of those sessions, like the amount of work that you suggested doing at half marathon broken the way it is. That could get tough. Like, you know, you said five by 2K, for example. I think that's very much doable and is a a, probably more of a peak workout. But on a regular basis, of course, I do things in minutes often, but we could switch that. Like, you know, a a four by eight minutes might be a workout that I prescribe more regularly and have. Well, I'm thinking from a a split based on your efforts, your paces, that's, you know, 2K, essentially eight minutes, certainly less than 10, more than six. Yeah. It'd be Um, like a seven minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And so at seven minutes, yeah, I would probably, if I were prescribing for someone, I'd do four or five reps, but I might have a little bit of a slightly longer recovery, like 90 seconds, two minutes, if we're doing it at half marathon pace. Mm -hmm. Uh, If it's slower, yeah, then it looks a lot like the workout I wrote for myself where you have just a minute. But again, that's why this process is so great. This is why we're doing it and that we hope everyone listening does it as well is because then you get the feedback from someone on the outside and you try to incorporate it with your understanding of your body and what you can handle. Because to me, the number one goal always remains get to the start line prepared and get there healthy uh, and don't press these beyond what you can handle, but also you have to challenge yourself a little bit. And I think you did a good job of providing some both mental and physical challenges with stuff that's slightly different than what I would normally do. Uh, you know, I don't do that straight tempo very often, but you know what? There can be a place for it. So uh, I, I like that you uh, stepped away from, from my usual routine. Yeah, I think it's important to, to have the context of what we've done historically and you know, let's take one little piece and nudge it versus, you know, let's totally scrap and try to find something else that works or plug something totally different in. Because that's, to me, that's where things get a little dicey because we aren't quite sure how you're going to respond to a significant change in variety or, or load, but adding one or two pieces that address some weaknesses or that we aren't doing as consistently can really make a huge difference. Yeah. That's a great point, Phil, and that's a great place to leave it because I I believe that you're spot on. uh, Well said to conclude. This was fun. I hope to incorporate some of these ideas. I hope you will as well. And uh, I hope everybody out there is doing the same process as you look forward to your races for 2024. Uh, So we'll leave it there for mile 167. We look forward to coming back with you in mile 168 to talk more training. Everybody have a great week and we will talk to you soon.